bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, August 11th, 2020. I do hope that you and your family are safe and well. In today's news-filled Tax Credit Tuesday podcast, I'm going to start with the status of COVID-19 relief negotiations in Congress and a set of COVID-19-related directives from the White House. Then, I'll discuss new guidance from the Small Business Administration regarding the Paycheck Protection Program. I'll then share some insights on how community development entities can begin preparing now for the upcoming calendar year 2020 allocation round of new market tax credits. There are concrete actions that applicants can take now that can ease the workload of applying when the allocation round actually opens, as well as be in the best position possible to submit the best application. After that, I'll have some brief news about a proposed CDFI National Crisis Fund, and then I'll close with a new requirement for multifamily property owners that are in forbearance who have mortgages backed by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. If you're ready, let's get started. Congress missed a self-imposed deadline last week, a deadline to advance the next round of COVID-19 relief legislation. And at the time of this recording, Senate Republicans and House Democrats seem far from reaching agreement on issues, issues such as the overall cost of a bill, the amount of unemployment insurance to provide, and aid, the levels of aid to state and local governments. And it's unclear when negotiations between the House and the Senate will resume. No votes are scheduled in the House or Senate until after Labor Day, though House and Senate leadership have informed their members that they should be ready to return to D.C. to vote if a deal is struck. Now, with negotiations stalled, so are stalled discussions of tax credit provisions, such as establishing a minimum 4% low-income housing tax credit rate, a new market's tax credit extension, or measures to sustain tax credit investor demand through monetizing general business tax credits. In the meantime, though, President Donald Trump last Saturday issued an executive order along with three memoranda to provide relief during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, the executive order centers on assistance to renters and homeowners. Now, I should note that the executive order is not an eviction moratorium extension, nor is it an eviction ban. What the executive order does is it directs the heads of the center's for Disease Control and Prevention, and the Department of Health and Human Services to consider whether any measures temporarily halting evictions for failure to pay rent are necessary to prevent the further spread of COVID-19. This executive order also directs the Treasury Secretary and the HUD Secretary to identify federal funds that could temporarily assist renters and homeowners who are struggling to pay their rent or mortgages because of the pandemic. Now, the president directed the HUD secretary to take action to help renters and homeowners avoid eviction or foreclosure because of financial hardships caused by COVID-19. Now, the executive order also directs the director of the Federal Housing Finance Agency, or FHFA, to review all existing authorities and resources that can prevent evictions and foreclosures related to pandemic hardships. Now, to this end, I should note that the Federal Housing Finance Agency has extended its foreclosure and eviction moratorium through August 31st for properties financed by GSE-backed single-family mortgages. And on June 29th, FHFA also extended the forbearance agreements with property owners 
with GSE-backed multifamily mortgages, they made the extension from three months to six months. And while in forbearance, multifamily property owners may not evict tenants for non-payment of rent. In sum, the executive order asks various department heads to consider ways to prevent evictions and foreclosures, but the executive order does not explicitly prescribe actions for next steps, nor does the order provide any new funding for rental assistance. Only time will tell what effects the executive order will have on eviction and foreclosure rates. I mentioned that the president also signed three memoranda. Well, one of them directs FEMA to provide funding to the states. So states can provide $400 per week in additional unemployment insurance benefits. This funding that FEMA is to provide is supposed to come from unspent money from the CARES Act established disaster relief fund. Also, in the memorandum, to be eligible, states must generally provide a 25% match of this $400 per week in unemployment insurance benefits. Now, the second memoranda directs the Treasury Secretary to defer the withholding, deposit, and payment of payroll taxes. And the third memoranda extends student loan relief, originally scheduled to expire September 30th. It extends it until December 31, 2020. Now, I will continue to monitor COVID-19 relief measures from the White House and Congress, and I will report on them in future podcasts and tweet out periodically. If you want to learn more about COVID-19 resources for affordable housing, community development, renewable energy, and the like, please visit Novogratz's online COVID-19 Resource Center. I'll include a link to the Resource Center in today's show notes and tweet it out as well. And while we're speaking of COVID-19 relief, let's discuss the Small Business Administration and the Treasury Department's recent release of an updated FAQ document on the Paycheck Protection Program. The document on PPP was released last Tuesday. That's one week ago today. Now, the agencies asked and answered 23 questions about loan forgiveness. The answers include what costs are eligible for loan forgiveness. The document is broken down into several topics. First, general loan forgiveness. Second, loan forgiveness payroll costs. Third, loan forgiveness non-payroll costs. And fourth, loan forgiveness reductions. Now, as you know, the PPP was created by the CARES Act in March. The PPP helps fund businesses during the COVID-19 pandemic through forgivable loans. The goal of the PPP is to keep workers employed and help businesses survive the pandemic crisis. Now, as a reminder, PPP borrowers have 10 months from the end of their covered period to submit their full forgiveness application. Some borrowers may decide to wait for additional clarity in these areas, these and other areas of uncertainty before asking or applying for forgiveness. Now, getting back to last week's FAQ document, there were some items that have raised eyebrows. An article in Tax Notes discussed portions of the latest FAQ that appear to contradict previous guidance. One example is an answer that specifies what transportation utility fees are considered covered utility payments. Previous guidance had a broader definition of what is eligible for self-employed individuals. Another example is new guidance on how much owner compensation is eligible for loan forgiveness. This new guidance is different from earlier regulations. Although there were some issues, the latest round of PPP FAQ guidance also addressed some items that definitely needed clarification. One example is a document clarifies the retirement plan and health plan, healthcare plan costs incurred after the covered loan period are not eligible for loan forgiveness. Now, there is a link to the FAQ document in today's show notes, 
The extended deadline to apply for the PPP, I should note, was last Friday, which means you can no longer apply for a new loan. However, if you need assistance documenting on how you're using your PPP funds, including areas covered by the most recent FAQ document, please contact Novogratz Megan Murphy. Her contact information is included in today's show notes. And if you're wondering about the future of the PPP, two senators, Marco Rubio of Florida and Susan Collins of Maine, have proposed an additional round of PPP funding. That round would target small businesses that experienced large declines in revenue during the first or second quarters of 2020. I'll provide updates when this third round of PPP funding is considered by Congress. Now, as I noted earlier, the PPP proposals are stalled by the impasse in COVID-19 legislation negotiations. Now, let's shift gears and discuss preparing for the 2020 New Market Tax Credit application round. Now, as you know, the 2019 allocation awards were announced in July, July 15th to be exact. Well, the application window for the 2020 New Market Tax Credit round is expected to open later this summer or early fall. My partner, Rebecca Dollarling, and my colleague, Clint Wilson, wrote an article for the August issue of the Novogratz Journal of Tax Credits that includes planning tips for community development entities, or CDEs, heading into 2021. Part of their discussion focused on preparing for the next New Market Tax Credit application round. Now, here are a few considerations from that article. First and foremost, CDE should take time to review their projected project pipelines. Second, CDE should also make sure that any paperwork that can be prepared ahead of time is completed and as up-to-date as possible. Information that should be prepared before the application round opens includes metrics from a third-party source. Now, as noted in the FAQ document for the prior year for the 2019 program application, CDEs will score more favorably if metrics are obtained from third-party sources rather than the CDE's own records. And remember, substantial community impact information is required for the application. Due to this guidance, CDEs have spent considerable time gathering third-party metrics to support the projected outcomes documented in their allocation application. Now, another planning tip is to gather as much information for the application even before the allocation round opens, with the typical application window being only seven or eight weeks, so it's important to prepare as much information as possible beforehand. Now, to that end, Novogratic does offer a wide range of services to help you prepare for the upcoming round. If you need help obtaining a third-party metrics report or gathering other information, please reach out to a Novogratic expert. My partner, Rebecca Darling, can assist you with reviewing and preparing your allocation application. Rebecca can also connect you to the right people to help you prepare a third-party metrics report. I'll include her contact information in today's show notes. Also, if you'd like to read the article on New Markets Tax Credit Planning Strategies for 2021 and other similar articles, make sure that you're subscribed to the Novogratz Journal of Tax Credits. And if you're not subscribed already, I'll include a subscription link in today's show notes and tweet it out as well. In other news, Senator Brian Schatz of Hawaii, along with nine co-sponsors, have introduced legislation to create a $2 billion Community Development Financial Institutions Crisis Fund. This fund would complement the existing CDFI fund funding levels. The Crisis Fund would be activated nationally or on a state-by-state basis 
by one of two triggers. One is a rule that defines an economic crisis based on changes to the unemployment rate. The second trigger is a major disaster declaration where the individual assistance program is activated. If enacted, this bill would provide critical funding to communities undergoing economic or natural disasters. I'll keep an eye on this legislation and report on any updates in future podcasts. And in housing matters, the Federal Housing Finance Agency last Thursday announced that multifamily property owners that have mortgages backed by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac must inform their tenants of certain tenant protections. Now, this is this applies if the property owner has entered new or modified forbearance agreements with Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. In this situation, landlords will need to notify their tenants in writing that tenants cannot be evicted for non-payment of rent during the COVID-19 pandemic. Other tenant protections in that scenario include applying no fees or penalties for non-payment of rent and allowing tenants to repay their owed rent over time and not in a lump sum. Well, that brings it to the end of this week's report. I do have a quick reminder the Novogratic Historic Tax Credit Virtual Conference is coming up in six weeks. That's September 24th and 25th. We'll have important discussions about historic tax credit equity investment, building a deal flow pipeline, and more. And we're expecting more than 400 virtual attendees. And we have a great keynote, U.S. Senator Bill Cassidy. So be sure to save your spot today by registering online. The registration link is in today's show notes, and I'll tweet it out as well. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived podcasts are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. You can find related links referenced in this podcast in our show notes at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast. Novogratik and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.